Nourish Your Soul with your turquoise angel guide, Catherine M. Laub, and her variety of guests on the Celestial Spoon, formerly Spiritual Destination. As an author and speaker about mental illness, Catherine has first-hand experience with mental and physical interactions and how spirituality plays a part in overcoming struggles. She utilizes her skills as a psychic medium and spiritual advisor to guide others to feel invigorated and empowered to go forward in their own struggles. Listen to inspirational conversations relating to sometimes difficult emotional journeys towards self-awareness and spirituality. These journeys brought positive effects toward her guests' mental and physical health and will inspire you to take action and create a healthier and happier personal environment for yourself and those you interact with. You will get the feeling of knowing these people during these relaxing conversations and want to follow them. Now, here's your host, Catherine M. Laub. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Celestial Spoon, and thank you for taking the time from your busy day to spend with us and learn about my guest. I hope you're enjoying the summer season, which is soon to be fall. I'm seeing some of the leaves changing on the trees already, and I'm looking forward to the cooler temperatures. I share my journey of healing and accomplishment after a suicide attempt in 2014 to inspire others to make themselves come first and listen to their inner voice. I offer spiritual guidance to help you through your struggles. Excuse me. I do psychic readings and spiritual guidance for every aspect of your life. You can learn more about me on my website, CatherineMLoud.com. We ask our spirit guides, loved ones, and angels to be present during our time together and to guide us through a wonderful conversation and help us share our visions with the world. I am thrilled today to be interviewing Holly Porter with Prosperity Profilers. I met her this week because she is a wonderful person who is looking to give two people scholarships to her upcoming book the 4040 rules. I was honored to accept her scholarship and we be a co-author in this wonderful book series. Holly Porter is an influencer, trailblazer, an innovative entrepreneur and philanthropist. She connects you for success and leads by example. <clears throat> Holly is an international speaker who inspires business breakthroughs and personal transformations helping you formulate a prosperous and sustainable business using cutting-edge tools. Holly gets what it takes to be successful in business and life and can help you achieve success and abundance. Holly has a gift for working with people. She is a listener and a problem solver and puts her whole heart into her work. When Holly is not working to accomplish success for her clients, she can be found relaxing with family and friends in elite locations from around the globe. Furthermore, you can find her expanding her knowledge through books and conferences, fundraising, and tending to her eight children, seven grandchildren, and husband, Scott Porter. I'm looking forward to learning more about Holly's many talents. Hi, Holly. Welcome. How are you? 
<laughs> Hi. Thank you so much. I am awesome. Thanks for having me, Catherine. You are so welcome. And <clears throat> as I said, I am very honored to be gifted this chapter in your book. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. Yeah, my honor as well. I'm excited to hear more about you as well. Yes, it's, it's an interesting book series. We'll get back into that in a little bit. But um, <clears throat> I like to do my card readings in the beginning because although I learn a little bit about my guests in the beginning um, before we get on the call, I don't want to get too involved and then do a reading. So I'm working with the Wisdom of Avalon Oracle Cards by Colette Baron reed And it's a new deck for me, and um, it still gives me the same outcome as if I used the usual decks. So the card that I pulled is Protection. And it's looking from maybe up high on a mountain, looking down on the shoreline and the sand and brush all in the, um, the foreground. And then in the background, it's a lot of wavy water, different colors, and then there's rocks kind of blocking it. So it's like you're, you're kind of moving forward, but at the same time, there's some sort of blocks that are causing you to hold back on something. But once you let that go, it's going to flow smoothly. So I'm feeling like there's a little bit of turmoil. Is that true? Hmm. Like with a person or what, what are you thinking? In, in your life in general, um, it could be business or personal. Um, I, I'm just feeling like there's something that you're working on that you need to move forward with. It's kind of stagnant. Huh. Are you looking well, at one of your programs? I'm changing a lot of things. I rebranded this year, so there a lot of things are shifting. And then I've got that event coming up, so I've got you know a lot of um, talks I'm working on. And I mean, as far as business goes, that's what's happening. And so I'm dealing with a lot of different speakers and and other people that you know. I'm learning a lot of lessons. Let's put it that way. I'm finding out that what what people say isn't always true. And <laughs> And, yeah, those are some hard lessons. That's definitely causing me some turmoil for sure. Okay. So the name of the card, as I said, is protection. So um, my suggestion when you are starting to work with somebody that you're not too familiar with, put that protection around yourself so everything can go smoothly going forward. And it's as simple as putting a white light around you mm -hmm. or reaching out to the angels who I work with and saying, angels, or Archangel Michael, please make this a wonderful, um, uh, <laughs> my word just went out of my head, sorry, <laughs> a, a wonderful relationship, and please don't let there any, be any kind of daggers thrown into it. And um, yeah. I, I think by doing that, you'll recognize that things will flow a lot smoother and you'll, um, you will invite the right people. And that will be, yeah. that'll be the big difference for you. So allow 
yourself to be open, but leave that protection so everything falls in place correctly. How does that sound? Mm. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yes. Um, and then this deck of cards is, cards is similar to the tarot, which I'm not familiar with, but there's a number 38 on the card. And I would like you to just keep that number in mind because it's going to come up and you're going to say, oh, now I know what that means. <laughs> I hope it doesn't mean 38 tickets to my event. No, <laughs> I want I more than that. So. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, 38. Well, that is actually why we decided to schedule this call quicker than I normally do because you yeah. do have an event coming up, and would you like to share about that a little bit, and then we'll go back into it again? Oh, sure. I'd love to. It's, it's called Prosperity, Meet, Motivate, and Monetize You in Your Business. And it's a personal and business development event. It's for two days in Las Vegas, September 28th and 29th. I've got a great lineup of speakers that will be talking about all kinds of things. I mean, we'll be doing... Uh, relationships, sales, marketing, mindset, health and wellness, um, you know, plus interactive workshops. So super excited about it, and you can get more information if you go to prosperityevent.com. That's wonderful. I wish you a lot of luck with it. And Thank it you. sounds wonderful because it's, it's a little bit more than conferences and things that I've gone to. I, I feel like it's almost like a retreat event. Is that true? Um, the author's day I'm having the day before the event is more of a retreat. It's off-site in a home, a big home in Las Vegas. So that's a little bit different, more all workshop. And, and so the event part, the interactive workshops will make it feel a little bit more like a retreat, but it's still, you know, in a conference. Um, hotel center, so it's still I would say more of an event, you know, than the retreat fill. Um, okay. But maybe in between the two, yeah. Right, yeah, because yeah. it feels like what you're saying is, you know, you're talking about relationships and mindset and health and wellness, and it's like it's a well-rounded co- combination of topics that yes. you know it's making people. I'm feeling like the people that come are going to be really relaxed but excited about what they're learning. Yeah, it's, and it's not a pitch fest, so you won't be coming and just everybody's not up there selling everything they have. They will have tables, and they will have, you know, availability for conversations, you know, if uh-huh. you want to further work with them. But you won't be coming to just get pitched at the whole time. You'll learn. They're there to teach you and help you and serve you and you'll be able to leave with action steps and everybody should leave with a new, a new tool for their toolbox. That's the goal. And some networking opportunities, you know, to meet some really, really uh, great people. I mean, some, there'll be people there that have made millions of dollars. You know, there'll be people there that are just starting out or just thinking about starting a business. So there'll be all levels of people in their That's businesses. Wonderful. That is really wonderful. I've gone to a lot of events, and they were sailing events, and I spent money and still haven't come out of the hole from what I spent. Yeah. I, I don't right. seem to get exactly what I'm looking for. Right, yeah. Well, and we just, like I said, I, I all the speakers know that, I mean, the only ones that are allowed to even sell anything are 
the event actual sponsors. You know, I've got like Infusion Soft is coming, but they they've got a very low entry package, like ninety seven dollars. You know, so there's there's that happening a little bit by a couple people, but as far as you know, the learning end of it, they're there to teach and serve, and they know that, and that's who I attracted to be speakers, and they're all very you know, they're professional speakers that have spoke for a long time. So there's a trainer that's coming that that's what they've done is trained and they train on a lot of like um, transformation type things. And so, um, yeah, there's just so much variety coming that there should be something for everybody, if not two or three things for everybody. Right. That's wonderful. And like I said, that the whole combination is, you know, it's something that I would really enjoy going to. So yeah. um, I do wish you a lot of luck with it, and we'll touch on it again after we talk about some other stuff. Yeah, it'll be next year too. So, you know, people can't Perfect. make it this year. I will have it annually. So, yeah. And I love where you're having it because that's one of my <laughs> favorite places in the world. <laughs> well, I had it there because I had international authors in my book series, and so... I, it's an international airport, and, you know, it's there's a shuttle that goes to the airport from the hotel, and it's not a casino hotel, so that, you know, have to deal with all the smoking and lack of it. You can go across the street to the Hard Rock and go to the casino, but, yeah, I, I, I strategically did everything I'm doing on purpose, and then we will plan do review when I have the event, and it will be even better next year, so, yeah. That's great. So hopefully I can make it next year. I would love to have you there. Thank you. I am going to plan on it. (laughs) So when I did my introduction, I talked about your book series, and I would love to talk about that because um, I'm intrigued how you do the book, where I've never seen that before, you asking the questions and us having to provide the answers. Can you share up with that idea? Um, yeah, everything I do, I'm an action taker, so I do things quickly, and then I let them unfold and evolve. I plan with the end in mind, and then work backwards, and everything just fell into place. And so originally, it wasn't even going to be a book series. It was just a book called The 4040 Rules, Wisdom from 40 Women Over 40. And as I got going, I had so many women um, in their 30s, you know, 20 to, or no, 30 to 40 year olds that wanted to be part of the project. And I let people in, if they were 30, you know, 38, 39, you know, up to four, if they were already 40, I, I mean, yeah, I would let, let's see, I'm going back because I, now I have a 30, 30. So if they were 38, 39, I would let them in because it was 40 and up. So, okay. but I think everybody really was. And and then I got the idea, well, why don't I do a 30-30 rules? And then people started saying, well, when you do your 50-50 rules and your 60-60 rules, let me know. And I'm like, wait, the 40 rules is 40 women over 40. That covers everybody. I don't want to do a book with 50 and 60 women in it. It's, it's a challenge to get that many women together. To, and, and not that they're together. The only time they'll be together is if they come to this event. That's when they can meet each other um, because that's what the event was created around even though um, it'll grow, you know. So that's kind of where it started. And then I decided, okay, well, let's do a 30-30 rule. So I started working on that immediately. 
and we launched one in one in June of 2017 and then one in uh, September of 2017. So, right, they were pretty close together. And then we have 70 women now that are published. And then the end of November of this year, we are doing a 40, the 4040 Volume 2, which is the one you'll be in. And I started it originally because I thought, how could I get it? Because it was a very short time frame project. And I knew I needed to attract action takers. I knew I didn't want it to consume a lot of their time, but show their wisdom because it wasn't about success. It wasn't about entrepreneurship or business or leadership. It was about wisdom. So there was women from 40 to 74 years old in the first book. And there were retired women. Like that's what mattered was the wisdom. So I had people say, oh, I don't know enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Well, any woman that has lived 40 years has some wisdom. Any woman that's lived that long can say what they would have maybe done differently or have a story for something. It doesn't matter who you are. And so there's always that wisdom in there. And there, you know, my two rules were it needs to bless the writer and that's in the book and the author, and it bless their life, and it needs to bless the reader's life. So that, were, that was really my goals. And then we came behind and did the 30 to 40-year-olds, I did, uh, that one's called the 30-30 rules, what I wish I knew in my 20s by 30 women in their 30s. So they had a whole new set of different questions they answered. The only two things I have in every book um, that follow uh, is what's your three must-read books, which everybody loves that I did that. I, that's probably what I get complimented on the most. And so they do their three must-reads and their favorite mantra or their quote. And so that's at the end of everybody's chapters. Um, and then the 40-40 rules, this one coming this year, it's a whole new set of questions. I think there's one question that's the same that I liked because I felt like it was a really good wisdom book for people, a wisdom question. And everything else is different questions. And so like people could have both volumes and it's different. And it's different women. And the thing I found that I learned was how different, like it's very diverse. The first book had two or three doctors in it um, of women. It had an, all different, um, it had some different countries of women that lived in there. That's why it was an international number one bestseller. And it also had um, different ethnicities in there. And I love that because, and then the broad range of age just brought it just made it so different than anything out there. Right. And I love it. it it's such a great thing. Um, I mean, I'm stuck with a couple of questions, but it's still new to me, so I'm going to sit with it this <laughs> afternoon and really think about it and um, put my answers in there. And <clears throat> when I actually do my writing, I sit and I ask the angels, okay, angels, please guide me and help me get the words out in the, the right order and where it makes sense. And I could write something in an hour. It's amazing. Yeah. I, when I talk to people about being in it, that's what I say. It probably will take about two hours of time total yeah. because I do have an editor and a publisher. So it's an actual published book. And, you know, so they'll do all the corrections. They'll make, you know, if they're not a great writer, we ran across that, or they just weren't very good writers. But they still had a lot of wisdom. We just had good editors, you know, and the editors would help them word things a little bit differently, and some took a little more 
you know, hand-holding than others that were writers, and that was fine. They all still sound brilliant, and they're all great pieces of wisdom. Right. And like you said, everybody's so different, and we can look at one thing ten different ways. And when you really sit down and think about it, it's like, that is just amazing. Yeah. Well, somebody wants, like, the one question I did cross over, and I probably won't word it word for word by just saying it without looking, but it was like, what's the best financial decision you ever made? Everybody's made, you know, A, or what's the best financial advice you've ever been given, and what's the best financial decision you've ever made? Because everyone, maybe they've made bad decisions, but everybody's made a good one. I mean, at some point, everybody makes a good decision, even if it was just, buying their favorite pair of jeans <laughs> and they wore it for five years. Well, then maybe they spent a hundred bucks on these jeans, but that still was the best financial investment because they went through five other pair of jeans that they spent 10 bucks on. You know, I'm just using that for an example, maybe bad example, but um, yeah, it's just, they still had the wisdom on that. And so. And that's an interesting way to look at it because that's what I was going to say. I'm really stuck on, one, um, in what way have you been financially successful? And truthfully, right now, I'm pretty broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, think back. I, I mean, it could be anything. It could be when you were 16 and you got your first car. Even if you had a down payment, that you put a down payment, that was maybe that's what made you feel financially successful. You own a car, maybe you didn't have it paid off, but you saved right. enough money to get a... And that's still wisdom because it's still giving the younger generations ideas and that's it can be so simple like people make it more complicated they'll think oh well what do you mean i don't have any money i didn't i can't give advice to anyone sure you can think of somebody that's homeless what would you tell them it, you're you're not homeless you're blessed in other right. ways how right. what would you say to a homeless person if you can't just all they can't just move to the top you can't compare you know you're you're where you're at to their beginning you just can't compare them so you say hey um, what would I start with? Well, let's see, how can we get a roof over your head? Well, okay, even if you're working at a fast food restaurant, you know, you might all of a sudden your first paycheck, that's how they'll feel financially successful because they finally have a paycheck in their hands and now they can go buy food or maybe, I mean, I'm just thinking, think, don't complicate it, just make it simple. How, what made you feel that way? Right, and that's what I was doing. I was overcomplicating it, saying, well, yeah. I, I'm not at that point, but now you got me thinking a lot more. Thank you. So look at it as a blessing. Like so financially successful can mean, I mean, somebody with no money, $5 is a lot of money. So that right. then they're financially successful. You know what I mean? That's success. Yeah. If they went and found a $100 bill in the street, that's how they felt success. So just, yeah, keep it simple. Think of there. Everybody can come up with something. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. But, yeah, I love the questions that, that you presented, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading all the different answers from all of my co-authors. You will. You'll love it. I, 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 I always love reading them because it's, it's amazing what they come up with. And if somebody's reading it and they just want, maybe that's what they want is a financial answer to the wisdom everybody gave, they just go through each place and each author's at that same point in their chapter and they can read just that answer if they want. They're like, oh, I need, I need this question answered. I want to see what everybody says. Just thumb through the book. They can read just those answers if they want. I mean, however, 
however they want to use it, whatever will bless their life, that's what it's about. That is great. Yeah, it's it's an interesting layout. I really like it. Um, I had a thought. Oh, so what is the actual outcome that you want to achieve by presenting this book in this way? Mm, well, there's a few outcomes I'd like to see. I mean, personally, I would love it just to bless the lives of everyone, you know, the readers and the and the authors. And have it, the other feedback I've got that has made me feel so blessed is that I've brought all these women together. So there's that networking and friendship going on and business transactions going on because they're all on a Facebook page together where they can, you know, so there's friendships that are happening. And I mean, there'll be probably over 150 by the time I'm done with them. So that's a lot of women to bring together. And so I guess that for me, it feels that accomplishment that I, I was able to do that because I love to connect people and good people, you know. And so they say by being part of this book, it gave them all these other ideas. It was like a stepping ladder to something bigger and better for them. That blesses my life. That makes my heart happy. That's what it's all about, you know, is being able to help our fellow women and, you know, make them make them feel successful. I mean, for some of them, that might have been the first time they really, to get number one international bestseller, not everybody cares about a title, but it's still, it, it's something that they can feel like they accomplished. Right. And the reason why I continue writing, I've been in 13 books, one of them my own, and I still keep writing because I want to by other people, by my words, mm-hmm. and tell them, look at what I've gone through, but look at what I've accomplished, and Absolutely. you can accomplish too. And that's a big part of everybody's writing, I think, deep down. They want to share their story, but they want others to know, oh my goodness, I understand what they're going through. Now I can look at it differently, and I love that. Right. Absolutely. No, I agree. There's always a different way, you know, to look at things. You know, we can always find a different way. And there is always a solution. It's just when we're in it, we're so emotionally attached to it that we can't see the outcome. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel that's always there. But our perception doesn't let us, you know, balance that. And then sometimes just like one click, one comment from somebody, you know, one door that opens for us changes everything right and especially with mental illness which is my background mostly now is um you know people look at the stigma of oh no i can't speak up but i speak up so i can let other people know it's time to speak up because when you do so you help yourself and you make your life a better better situation and you don't have as many struggles because now you have people in your corner that are willing to help you and guide you to happiness. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And and, and be open for that, you know what I mean? Always look for the light. Look for uh-huh. the light in people, look for the light in yourself, be the light, you know, and have that always, you know, on your heart with whatever you do. 
and lead with kindness, lead with love. And you know what? I mean, that's, that's the riches that we get to leave the world with. You know, you're not taking all the other stuff with you. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So um, I was looking at your website, and first thing I want to do is read a testimonial because this is very interesting. Holly <laughs> is an expert at her craft of hypnosis. She helped me overcome some of my limited programming and beliefs that were holding me back from reaching my true potential, particularly with my profession. With her assistance, I was able to triple my production, and I expect to at least double that again and again in a short period of time. Her methods are simple, straightforward, and effective. If you are looking to improve results in some capacity of your life or career, I can promise you it is something subconscious that is holding you back. And Holly can help you tweak and shift those subconscious blocks. I highly recommend Holly for hypnotherapy. And this is by Joseph Compton. And what this felt interesting to me is because I believe that I'm holding something in subconsciously that's creating the blocks for me. Mm. I have all the skills, I have all the knowledge, I've gone to all the conferences and, you know, learn what I can, but something is just totally blocking me. So how do you you work through that with hypnosis? What does that do? Well, you know, when, when when I was with Joseph, I was doing more hypnosis. I'm not... I'm not as much. It's not that I can't or won't. I just uh-huh. have gotten other certified in other modalities that I feel like are faster. Um, one thing as far as like money subconscious stuff that goes on, I, I built a program just this year, and it's one that is in a Facebook group where I add people to, and you can do it at your own pace. So you just search the day. It's called 28-Day Money Mindset Reset. And so it's a program that you can get with or without a little bit of coaching. So like if you do a coaching, I do like a 30-minute um, coaching call with you before, and then you do the program for 28 days straight, and then we do a call after. Like there's that, and then there's one where you can just jump right in, and you just do the whole program on your own. And it's, it's one, the recordings are all there. All you do is go in the search bar on the page, and you put day one, day two, and all the information there that will come up. It's a video with also the written um, information of an assignment. So it's going to take probably 10, 10 to 15 minutes a day for 28 days of stuff you do that resets your whole mind around money. And there's a dump journal in there where you – and it explains all of that. Like I repeat a lot of it because that's what we need, you know. But you, that's a huge one. And um, like I said, I haven't really promoted that. There's not a ton of people on there. I just haven't promoted it very much yet because I just got it done this – I got it done this, uh, I think just May is when I got it done. And so it was for my event. So I really haven't promoted. That's going to be a good one for helping people. So, like, that's almost what I would recommend to start there first because if, if you know, hypnosis and – Coaching and things like that can get expensive, you know, to get. You, you know, it sounds like you've had your share and you've paid a lot for that stuff. This program, I mean, like I said, you can just get on there, 
and do it on your own at your own pace. I don't I don't care if they buy it. I don't care if their spouse does it with them. Like I'm not attached to that. That's fine. If it'll help their family, that's what I want it to do. And so far, so good. I've had some great responses. I've had several people say they haven't done it yet, or they got a few days in and had to stop, but they were really looking forward to doing it again. So the ones that have done it have really said it's really helped them a lot, but they just didn't think about the different ways you can shift your mind, you know, around things. Right, yes. And I, I have done that shift myself. Um, since I'm on disability, um, that's my only income, and I've been trying to build my business for five years, and it started out as angel card readings, and now it's wanting to speak about mental health and, you know, inspiring people to reach out and get the help that they need. So I think that it didn't advance with the spirituality because it was meant to do that shift. And for me to take the reality of, no, the disability income is not what's going to hold me back. It's my thinking that it is. So once I shifted that thinking, other things started falling into place with me. And my my podcast a year and a half ago was like sporadic people saying, okay, I want to be interviewed. Now I'm booked all the way into December, and it's like, okay, things are falling into place. And it's because I changed my mindset. And I looked at it as I'm out there, I'm making an impact in the world, I'm helping other people, and it's fulfilling me in ways that people can't even imagine. So... As I, excuse me, as I always tell everybody, timing's everything, and yeah. I recognize that my mind, money mindset was not that great. <laughs> well, and I, I call it change the stinking thinking, you know? Yeah. It's just get that, uh, and it's hard when you're in it. It's that emotional attachment, and that's why I recommend people, you know, need coaching, you know, most of the time. It's like, okay, um, I mean, when I have... When I have hired my coaches, is probably when I've had the least amount of money, and I just knew I needed to do it. And I and I figure, I say in one of my books, everything is figure outable. It is. You can figure out a way where there's a way, there's a will. And I realize you got to put food on the table, you know. But we've always, my husband and I are both entrepreneurs, and so I don't. We don't have that regular paycheck that comes in all the time, you know. And so right. we've had to figure it out. It's like it's feast or famine. You get big lumps of some, and then you get nothing for a while, and then just because that's the way it is. And so right. it we're, it's a little bit different, you know, to make a plan. And I just figure, you know what, you, you jump and you figure out a way to fly on the way down, and, and you can. Like, you can do it. If you know you can, you can. Right. And now I know I can do it. Yeah. And so now challenge yourself to the next thing, you know, and then the next thing and then the next thing. It's like you're like, okay, been there, done that. I mean, that's why you think divorce rates are so high again and again because they did it once. They know they survived. They can do it again. They say your first million is the hardest thing to do. After that, it's easy because you already figured out how to make a million. So now it's easy to make 10, you know, and and I'm just, I mean, I'm just throwing out examples of whatever's coming in my head. They may not be the best ones, but that's how I think. (laughs) That's great. In fact, um, I am my husband, Tony. I'm his third wife. 
And his first two marriages lasted 10 years. My first marriage lasted 10 years. I said, well, when we got up to 10-year mark, I said, ours is going to be the charm. And two weeks ago, we celebrated our 20-year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. You doubled it. See, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So we did both learn from past mistakes, and that was a perfect example. (laughs) Well, it took me a lot of tries, and, and, you know, when I finally figured out, I've been married to my husband now longer than, I, this, he's actually my fourth husband, and okay. I've been married to long, him longer than the other three put together. But you know what, I feel like I knew I was supposed to marry the other three, you know, and I had my children and everything, and there was a purpose, but when I was done and I knew it was over, I knew it. Like, I, I just had that gift of knowing and it doesn't take me long to figure it out. When I finally have had it and realize, okay, we're not growing together, we're growing apart, they're going to hold me back, i got to move forward. I mean, that's just how I am. But it's like, okay, well, it served its purpose apparently because I know now I'm supposed to be out of this. And I just went for the exact opposite of everything I had been doing and set my you know, line in the sand and said, I'm not settling for this, this, or this, and if they can't do this, this, and this, and boom, when you're not looking is when it shows up. Right. And I'm sure that this is the the best one out of all of them because oh, like yeah. you said, you knew. <laughs> I married I married my saint. Yeah, he's he's great. Um yeah, he is. But you know, he he was married for a long time, like I think nineteen seventeen or nineteen years, you know, and had all his kids and you know, it's just, I think as you mature and get older, I th- I really believe you could put any two people together and you can make a marriage work if they both give 110 mm. and learn learn to live together, you know, learn a few things. Because if you come into something and have unconditional love and, you know, happiness and, and you're making your own happiness, quit blaming everybody else for you being unhappy, you know. I think that anybody could stay married. If it, it takes two, though, you've got to both be willing to do it, and that's what happens. One person right. grows, one person doesn't. One person gives, one person doesn't, and that's why you grow apart, and that's why you have so much divorce. But honestly, I think, I mean, think about how many older people, like I'm talking like in their 60s and 70s that get married after they've had the love of their life die, and they think they'll be alone forever, and they meet somebody else that they can share that last 20 years with or whatever. You know, right. I mean, it happens all the time. And they feel so blessed to find somebody else. They never thought they'd find somebody else. But by then, they're both willing to know, oh, let's just be happy, and we'll just live out our lives. And usually by then, they have a retirement. So, you know, the money's not always an issue, and all those the kids, and the kids are grown, and you know, I mean, there's just different things that come into it that factor that I think as you get older, you hopefully mature. <laughs> Some never do. <laughs> yeah, and you just, you're, you're more, you, I think you become, when you're in that situation, either you stay alone or you become more of a giver because isn't any relationship, uh, it's got to be a give and a take, and I was always married to takers, and so when I married a giver, it was like, whoa. I mean, it was yeah. almost like this guilt that somebody's going to give me something, you know, or do something yeah. for me. I still struggle with that. I mean, I still struggle with when I go to the grocery store, I'm, I'm, I consciously now 
don't do it because I know better. But for a long time, I struggle with that. I'm not good enough to have, you know, you go in the canned food aisle and you know how the cans drop and they get smashed or like the corner gets smashed on one side. Uh I would take those because I felt like somebody had to have them. And why shouldn't it be me? Like I wasn't good enough for the, the regular can. I would take that can because someone had to have it. And that was, that's that whole thing and not being good enough, feeling like you're, you're not good enough to have the nice can. Yeah, somebody does have to have it, but guess what? They also write off that stuff. They send it back to the company. They get, they get money back for that. You know what I mean? So, no, I don't have to have that. I can have a nice one. It's not that anything was wrong with it other than sometimes I couldn't get it open. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, it's just it's that. It's just feeling like don't ever let someone make you think you're not good enough. You're good enough. You feel like you're good enough. That's what matters. If someone right. else doesn't make you feel like you're good enough, get rid of them is what I say. There are worse things than divorce. And my first husband made me feel like I was not good enough. He even told me that. And yeah. when I met Tony, the same thing as you called your husband, a saint. I mean, he opens doors for me still and mm-hmm. cooks for me. He helps me clean. He does so much mm-hmm. for me. And even if he's not feeling well and he knows I'm not feeling well, he'll go out of his way and still do whatever needs to be done. And it's amazing. But when we met, I did have a hard time accepting that he was giving me stuff. And still now, um, he's a submarine veteran, and they always work at the, um, the local fairs, and they have this 27-foot submarine that they tow with them all the time. So he was at a local event last week, and he came home, and he says, I have a present for you. Oh. And he gave me long chain with a necklace and Mm -hmm. I felt like oh my god he really don't have the money he shouldn't have spent that on me you know (laughs) and I accepted it but I felt guilty so um, and that's only because of the money situation we're in right now Um, yeah reminds me of the gift of the magi all of my jewelry was stolen several years ago, and I told them, oh, I don't need real jewelry. You could spend yeah. $5 on a ring for me. That's fine, you know? Sure. <laughs> I'm a practical one. So, um, yeah, I, I do recognize that, but I do have the mindset that I am worth it, and when the money comes, then we can enjoy the gifts for each other. Right. Well, and right now you're each other's gift, and that that sometimes yes. hard for people to swallow that you know you don't. It's just like I, I mean, my husband's always not really liked Christmas for that reason. It's like because that's all it does. It's all about gimme, 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 and it's like why, why does it have to be about that? You know. Yep. The best gift my kids could give me is showing up for the holiday, showing up for dinner, write mm-hmm. me a letter. I mean, if they'd realize that, it's not about buying me something. You know. Yep. That's true yeah. love. Exactly. And um, I think this next generation of our children um, don't quite get that. I think it's a little bit of a different mentality. Um, I recognize with my kids, though, that because they have to work so many hours and, you know, the husband and wife have to go out, it's been a little bit harder 
And yeah. just the other day, I asked my son, who's going to be 37, I said to him, well, I want to have you and Chelsea come over and, and have dinner on a Sunday and whatever. He says, well, that's going to be quite a few Sundays out because I'm working seven days a week again, and uh-huh. I want to spend time with Carson, who's only two years old, and he's buying a house, and it's like, well, you know, it's important we got to make time for each other. That's right. Yeah. Well, and he needs to realize that, you know, too, before... Yeah. I mean, it depends why they have to do that. If they're doing it to put food on the table, that's one thing. If they're doing it to pay for all the toys and everything else, that's a whole nother ball game. Then you're giving, you're sacrificing your family for material things. And you know, like I said, these little these kids anymore, they think they have to have the newest and greatest. They didn't sacrifice like we had to when we were young, you know. And it's interesting to watch the different dynamics of of the way and how people, you know deal with their yeah. money, but, yeah. Exactly, sure. yeah. Yes. But I want to shift the conversation <clears throat> back to what you do. Um, you had nine startup companies, and they were successful. So can you share a couple of them, what you have done? Yeah. Well, so for me, I always did what I could because I you know we had we had eight kids now four were mine four were my husband's but we raised them in the same house when we got married so when my kids were younger I always had to have an income you know to survive and so I did a daycare and then when they got a little older I did preschool and then when they got a little older I had a children's clothing store and (coughs) oh yeah excuse me I think I just swallowed a fruit fly. Oh, it's that time of year. Uh, but, oh, anyway, you know, let me take a drink. Yeah. At least if I'm going to swallow it, I'll swish it down. Oh, yuck. Um, anyway, so, yeah, and then, I, and then you know, from there I had a salon. That was the one I had the longest in fundraising company and a real estate brokerage, and we have a concrete company. I don't know how many that is. But, you know, so as I – I just feel like there's a time and a place for – everything like um when i had the daycare i wouldn't have had a preschool when i had the preschool i wouldn't have had a daycare like it's just what your mind and what your you know life can handle at the time is what i did and so and in between that you know i i did a lot of different network marketing companies and things like that um that i didn't love i think any nothing that i had to drag people doing you know i feel like i always want to work with people who want to be forward thinking and move forward and I also ran for political office a couple of times and that was not my journey because it was that same thing. You're like, people, people don't do what they say, especially in politics and power and money rules it all. And that wasn't my journey because power and money doesn't, doesn't motivate me. People do and serving people and helping people move forward. That's what motivated me and uh, which would have made a great politician had, you know, for choices for them. And at the same time, I don't think my heart could have took it because I couldn't have kept the secrets and all the deceit and everything because I'm a whistleblower, man. If you're, I feel like if you don't like the rules, then you go out and change the rules. You don't make your own, you know, yeah. to, um, yeah. What so, yeah, that's just, I mean, so that that's kind of why I had so many different, and I had, I usually had two or three companies at a time that I was working, doing things through. I always have, I get bored easy and. I build them up, and that was that. Okay. That's interesting. 
And you also have your own podcast, Prosperity Profilers. Can you share mm -hmm. um, what you talk about when you do your podcast? Yeah, my podcast. So it's... It started out for the authors. That was the main reason I started it when I started the book series. So it's been about a year and a half now. And it was to interview them and it was to, ha to have them shine, you know, because the book wasn't about their, it wasn't about their business. It was about their wisdom. So I bring them on as guests for the podcast to learn more about their business and what they did and showcase them. I've shifted it a little bit this year. I did have a couple male guests um, just recently. I haven't even posted one of them, actually. I just recorded it. So I've got them. I'm shifting that. And I've also done some of my own. Like I always had a guest for over a year. And then I started doing some more teaching things um, on different subjects because I do you know, coaching and consulting. I don't do one or the other. Most of my clients, they, they, not, they need and they want both. Um, so coaching, you're usually listening, uh, coaching, you're usually listening, you know, 80% of the time and, or I mean, yeah, listening 80% of the time and talking 20% of the time and consulting, you're doing the opposite. And I really feel like I love to, I love to tell people what to do. Like, well, I know a lot of people do. And with coaching, you can't give them that kind of support as consulting. And I feel like with all my business experience, I can not only coach them, I can also consult them in, okay, well, had you thought about this way and that's, you know, this is a plan. And so I do customize a lot of my clients. Um, right now I'm working a lot through the podcast, teaching multiple streams of income and different ways people can monetize what they already have. So if they are already a coach and they have a business, maybe they are successful, but most millionaires have seven streams of income. Most self-made millionaires have, have had three or more. So don't put your eggs all in one basket. You know, we are coming. It's statistically over the history of time, you know, the economy goes up and down. Real estate goes up and down. So don't put your eggs all in one basket. And that's what I'm, I'm helping people with, like getting, adding. So if they have a coaching business, maybe I'll say, let's help you get a book to print so that when you go speak to get more clients, you, you know, you can monetize with a book or a podcast, or let's say you said right now things are high in real estate. Cause I have, I am a real estate broker as well. You know, things are high, so don't buy, but let's set you up for success so that when everything tanks again, cause it will, then right. you're ready to be the one on that end buying. So let's set your, set things up. So you're ready to have that stream of income when it's going to profit you. So those are the things I'm working with people on now because those are the things I've been able to do and be successful at. And so that's the, that's the kind of clients I'm really looking for right now. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting that you said that you also do your own um, individually because I was thinking about doing the same type of thing here and there, although I'm really booked out, that I may fill in with some information just about me and mental illness mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the whole realm of that. So yeah. um, thank you for sharing that to give me um, an upbeat thought, uh, decision on me, what, what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, and I think the best podcast 
always have a guest, you know, because if somebody has a podcast and they have a business and they have experience or they have a story, you know, or they have some things they can teach others that are of value to others, then, you know, you need to be the one shining as your own guest because, and, and I should have been doing that soon. I should have done that more, but I always had plenty of authors to tap into. I've never had an issue finding guests. Like I, I could have guests for years, you know, and a lot of people I know are always like, I'm scrambling for guests and, I haven't, like, sought after celebrities or any big... Because you know what? They're on everywhere anyway. I'd rather shine, have the people shine that don't get those opportunities. I'm always for more of the underdog. I'll always protect the underdog for as long as I live. I mean, every program I've ever helped create or served, you know, Rotary International, I was present there. We Everything we created with our scholarships we gave out, they didn't go to, you know, the high school. They didn't go to the the 4.0 kids. They went to kids that were maybe 2.5 to 3.0, but they had, you know, a bad home life or maybe they had to have a job during high school. Those were the ones that got those scholarships because guess what? They needed them. These kids that had the 4.0 usually were the kids' parents that they didn't have to work. They got everything paid for, you know, and so it's like these kids need help. There needs to be people out helping others that don't get everything. And that's great. I was going to ask you that next about your organizations and the Rotary International, what you mm. did. <clears throat> yeah, I was in Rotary for 14 years. and <sighs> Yeah, that was one of them. That was a hard decision for me when I walked away because after one of the political elections, I, I dropped out of eight organizations I was in or over or, you know, had been in for years and built up. And I just, I was done. I was so burned out. I had, I mean, if you don't think you, you want to weed through your friends, you know, you're involved in everything in town, so everybody says they know you. You run for political office and you don't get in. When you know you're a fit-in, you're a shoe-in. You think, you know, you you got it all down. You got it figured out, right? You're going to serve so many people. You don't get in. I was devastated. That's That was my suicide uh, story. And two years later, I came back and I ran for mayor. I went from city council to mayor and really ran for the wrong reason the second time. But, you know, you just, you weed through who, who you can trust, who your real friends are. And I learned so much. Like, it's all a story now. But I'm glad I did it. But it was, it was the hardest time of my life. Wow. Yeah, that's what a lot of people talk about. Recently, I spoke to somebody else that was also in politics. And she says, I did not want to be involved anymore. It was just too much under the table stuff. Yep. And yeah. it's so sad. It is so sad. And I, I mean, they, in the mayor race, they tapped my phone and hacked my computer. Huh. It was scary. Like, I'm like, what am I going to be found dead in the gutter? Like, I was yeah. like, what's next? This is a little town. Like, what is going on? They are very afraid of strong women. Huh. And there's a lot of bullies, and I'm very anti-bully. And I'm a fighter. Like, I'm not going to let you walk all over my friends and my and other people, you know. that's You can walk all over me, but you can't walk all over them. Well, now, my mindset, you're not walking over any of us. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm a fighter. And, and I want to protect those that, you know, maybe they don't have a voice and maybe they don't know how to protect themselves. It's like, there's all, like I said, there's always a solution. Everything's figureoutable. And sometimes people just need to see the way. Right, yes. That is 
um, a key factor in a lot of things. Um, I've learned that in the last few years. Um, yeah. When you keep the blinders on, nothing comes to you. But when you start looking and thinking about things differently, that you do see the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. You do. I want to yeah. ask you. I want to ask you about um, your philanthropy because. As I said, um, thank you for gifting me the, the story in your book. But what mm-hmm. else do you do with philanthropy? Well, over the years, I've done a lot of different things, and I mean, my heart's there, and so I feel like the more the more income I can make and grow, the more I can give. And I have done lots of international projects, a lot through Rotary. I did. Um, I've done. Like, what else has been nice with part of my philanthropy is I've been, I was in positions. So, like, when I was Rotary president, I was also AYSO. Um, it's a soccer organization, and I had, I think we had 14 or 1,500 kids that I was in charge of. I was also, my fundraising company, you know, raised over $300,000 in this community for different youth groups and stuff. And so, like, we had money. And guess what year it was? It was 2008. Well, everybody remembers 2008. <laughs> that was when everybody lost everything. Well, I was president of Rotary and I was president of AYSO, and both organizations had a ton of money. Like, we could, that's what we did. We raised money. They were 501c3s. And so as a 501c3, you can't own land. You can't own, like, property or anything. So we built, between the two organizations, I had us pull our money together, and we built this $60,000 um, addition to the bathroom on the soccer field for a snack shack because they didn't have one. And we just donated it to the city. And believe it or not, <laughs> a couple years later when I ran for city council and we had just done that project and donated it to them, they threw that in my face. They said, oh, you just like to spend money. Um, Why wouldn't you spend money that is is helping a community and we had it, like it was there. The other thing right. they, they didn't like, we had... $2.2 million. I was also the Downtown Retail Alliance president, and they had collected off this tax um, $2.2 million sitting in this account that was supposed to be spent for downtown improvements in this little district, right? Well, they hadn't done anything for 14 years is why there was so much money there. So no improvements in 14 years. So here we are in a recession just coming out. You know, it was, I can't remember what year it was, probably 2010. And so we did some, like, little grant programs for the little businesses so they could get new signs. and do. But they had to apply. They had to do a lot. I mean, it was, it was hell for them to do it and uh, to get this little bit of money. And, and that was the other thing they threw up at me. It was like, oh, you're spending money. You're giving money to some businesses and not all businesses. And I'm just thinking, there's $2.2 million sitting in that account that was supposed to be spent. Shame on them for not spending it so much per right. year, you know. We ended up giving it, it's a Shakespeare town, we ended up giving $1.1 million of it for this big, really nice um, science, not science, uh, well, maybe it was, oh, art, um, Shakespeare thing for the plays, and oh, it's a beautiful building, it's finally built now, it took quite a few years to get it up and going, but they needed the money, and so, but that helps the downtown, like it brings the tourism, and it brings, and so it's just a small-minded that makes me crazy. It's like when you don't see a bigger picture, but if you have something that's designated for something, you use it. You don't abuse it. <laughs> you use it because it's there. That's what it's for. That's the purpose. So I, I, I don't live there anymore, by the way. I had to move. I was just like, 
I can't handle working in this small-minded, you know, bully town where I want to move forward, but they, they say they do, but they don't. And I believe in smart growth. I was, I was, I would say a moderate conservative, you know, and uh, yeah, it was just crazy. And like I said, I'm so blessed that I got the lesson finally and I did move because I can do so much more good in the world now where I'm at in my heart, in my, in my physical location and everything. And it's, I'm so blessed. Like I'm so blessed. And it hasn't been that long. Um, you live in Utah now, right? Yeah. I only moved, I only moved less than an hour away because all my grandkids live there still. So got to live by them so I can see them but it was a different mentality it was just it was closer to an international airport because I'm traveling a lot with work and speaking and so it was that that shift just getting that far away I mean I can tell you even now when I go there I get five miles out of town on my way home and my whole body I can just feel relaxed like I'm just done I just don't want to even be there I go there I do my thing I see my grandkids but I don't drive around I don't go visit people I have my friends there still that I love, the ones I've left, you know, my family's there, but I just, it's like I was able to let it go, and it's just such a good feeling to leave every day or every time when I leave. It's just like, I love where I'm at now. I love my life. I would have probably had a heart attack and died if I would have won the mayor race because of the secrets and the deceit and things you have to keep a secret just because of that position, and I couldn't have handled that. Right. Yeah, you're so outgoing that, you know, you you might start a conversation and all of a sudden something comes out and say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah, I perfectly understand that. And um, it is a struggle when you're being told, don't say anything. You know, my mother told Mm -hmm. me something the other day about one of my siblings, and she says, but don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, don't even tell me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, that's hard. You know, um, for everybody, um, I send out a questionnaire, and one of my questions is, where do you live and anything interesting about it? And I love that you wrote down red dirt and mountains because it brings <laughs> me to my childhood where my grandparents lived upstate New York, and the road to their house was red oh, dirt. And, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've always loved red dirt. Yep. Yeah. You know what's funny? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to tell you a quick story. So my my story of why I know I'm supposed to be here where I'm at in the red dirt is I did, when I was doing my hypnosis, before I did my certification and got into that a few years ago, I, I had this hypnosis session that was like about an hour and a half long with a whole group. Like we were like all had pillows laying on the floor and I was hanging. I was supposed to be doing the visualization five years into the future, my house, my cars, my checkbook, my people in my life, all this stuff, right? This visualization. Well, the whole time I'm hanging by a cliff, hanging one arm by a cliff in the Red Mountains and I couldn't move. In fact, my whole one side went numb and I thought I was having a stroke while I'm under hypnosis. I really had no clue. It was my first time. I was like, what is going on? But I never could visualize that. And I thought, oh, okay, I never thought I'd live to be very old. I'm probably just not going to live another five years then because I can't visualize this, right? I, like, had no idea. I finally, one day, um, 
a few months later, I asked the guy, I was at a class again, he was doing, and I said, hey, no one's been able to answer this. I'm curious, you know, what your answer is going to be. This was my experience. I'm hanging. I never was able to, um, you know, visualize, but I was in the Red Mountains. And he said, he said, well, I remember you, weren't you like, had just run for mayor and all this stuff? And I go, yeah. And he goes, and you had a lot of transition going with your real estate and everything. And I said, yeah. And he's like, and you were just changing a lot of things. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, if you let go of that cliff, you wouldn't fall, right? And I said, yeah, I knew, I knew, I absolutely knew that. I knew I could let go and I'd be fine and I wouldn't fall. And he said, then let go. I was like, oh. And so basically that was what was going on. That was my home, the Red Mountains. That's why I was, that's why I was there. That was my home is the Red Mountains. So I knew when I finally figured out the whole thing, it was like a dream, even though I was under hypnosis, that's what it was telling me was to move here. Wow. <clears throat> and to let that's, go. That's, it's amazing how we, we apply, like you said, when you pay attention, you get the answers and whatever. But um, the simple thing of being told let go, it's like that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So um, you did point out something that when you moved, you made sure you were by a, a local, you know, international airport. And Tony and I are looking to move. Originally, it was going to be North Carolina, but we're looking at upstate New York. And it's like, oh, I got to remember that. Is there an airport close by? Because I plan on traveling a lot. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, and it's a big time waster. You know, really, if you live in a small town, it's expensive and you still have to usually get to a bigger airport to get to where you're going. So you might as well just live where there's a big airport. Right. And I, yeah. I'm on Long Island, New York, and I am by, um, I'm in the central part of the island and there's Long Island MacArthur Airport. And I'm able to go all across the country with Southwest, but um, I have to go into the city to go uh, international. And um, the reason why we want to move is because the taxes are so high on Long Island that it's really outrageous. So thank you for giving me that little point of looking for the airport, too. <laughs> sure, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes we just have to get those tips from people. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And I can yeah. help. Thank you. We have been talking for a while, but um, I wanted to ask about the quiz that you have on your website. Oh, you bet. Yeah, it's one of my books. It's called Inbox, Outbox, Unbox, No Box, Four Steps to Delete Your Box Thinking. And there's a little shoe. I made it fun because it's all about fun for me. And uh, if you were a shoe, what kind of shoe would you be? So what you do is you go on there and it will walk you through a little short personality quiz and tell you what issue you'll be, and then it gives you a few steps to get out of your box thinking. And it's out of a book that I have um, that's called that. And, yeah, it's, I'd love to give that to whoever wants it. Go take it and let me know what kind of a shoe you are. And when we're finished here, I am going to go back to it, and I am going to take the quiz because I just learned about it earlier today. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm a shoe I am because I'm a shoe person. <laughs> well, it's you know I only have four to pick from because it, I just used four basic personalities, even though I believe in more. But 
Um, right. When you let me know what kind of a shoe you are, um, they also coincide with seasons. So, and I don't think I put that in the book anywhere. So, um, let me know what shoe you are, and I'll let you know what season it is. Okay. Thank you. So, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we close out? Oh gosh, I'm an open book, huh? I, I share lots, probably huh? way more than I should, but um, that's okay. I'm I'm as transparent as they come. <laughs> Like I, like I said earlier, um, authenticity, <laughs> and that's the way to live your life. <coughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. excuse me. I took a sip of water and went down on them. <coughs> so you could talk for a minute for me. <coughs> yeah. We're all getting all choked up today. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having having me on, and I hope... You know that the listeners can get a tip or two, maybe, of what I said, and maybe move their life forward with it, and that will make me happy. Yes, it's all about being happy. <laughs> exactly, and you know, um, I lived so many years in negativity, and now it's all about don't let the negativity be there, and allow. <coughs> HollyPorter.com, it'll take you to the Prosperity website. Oh, great. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. You're welcome. www.hollyport.com. This is Catherine Lamb. Have a wonderfully blessed day. Thank you for listening to our conversation. We hope that you found the discussion to be rewarding and inspirational, and you take action to create a healthier and happier personal environment for yourself and those you interact with. If you liked this episode of The Celestial Spoon, please listen again next time to learn more about how spirituality has guided others to advance their lives. We wish you the best on your personal journey.